When I made the decision to reboot the Wisdom Experience podcast, I decided that I wanted to record the episodes on location as much as possible instead of doing them on Zoom or or doing them in the studio. I wanted to have the conversations where the conversations happen using, you know, minimalist equipment and just being on the spot. And the first episode of the reboot, I recorded that out in the rain underneath the tree. And I wanted to keep that ethos alive. So this episode, I'm in a very special place. I'm actually in a graveyard and I'm with my good friend, Jeremy Nathan. Now, I've been reading about friendship recently and how important it is to, you know, to your happiness and to your well-being, you know, having friends, um, having close relationships and then, you know, how your and how our life is measured through these friendships and close connections. And as you get older and your friends start to die, it kind of hits you harder because there's a piece of you, a piece of your legacy, a piece of who you are, dies with them as well. Because they hold a collective memory of us and in fact are able to remind you of who you are and remind you of things that even you have forgotten that they have retained so when they die a piece of you also dies now this episode isn't meant to be about death but the fact that we are recording this in the graveyard makes this introduction uh apropos really And as I said, we are in a graveyard and we are, in fact, in front of John Henry Bonham's grave, the drummer for Led Zeppelin. We've come here to pay tribute. We've come here to explore music and what does music mean to us in our lives and to our well-being. So how important is music to us? Before we get into that, I'd like to start off with our first question, which is an existential question. Who is Jeremy Nathan, really? That depends on who you ask. <laughs> and I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. Because are we the people that we see ourselves as, or are we the person that people see us for? If I think I'm a funny person with a good sense of humor, but no one else thinks I'm funny, does that mean I'm funny? Who we are is both a reflection of who we think we are on the inside and how people see us. That is how we are treated in this world. But the most important thing is how we see and feel about ourselves. Who am I? Yes, and I get it. The who am I depends greatly on a number of factors in some ways. So... We wear many different hats. There are many eyes in terms of your various different roles that you play, the various different masks that you wear. 
Now, are you the same Jeremy with me that you are with, say, your kids or your friends that are in your other friend groups? Are you, you know, I see a different side of Jeremy. My impressions of who you are is based off of what you reveal to me. Uh, And the answer is no, I'm different to everyone. I mean, as a parent, uh, first and foremost, you hope that you have the responsibility to raise your kids to be decent people, if nothing else. And in order to do that, you have to act in a way that you wouldn't necessarily act with your friends. You have to be authoritative. I joke with my kids that our household is a parentocracy. Uh, It's not a democracy. And you know, how that actually uh, transmits in real life is not necessarily as bad as it sounds, but I am different with my kids than I would be with my friends. And then among my friends, it depends on the relationships that I have with friends and, you know, our shared experiences that we have together and how much that we trust each other. There are certain things that I would talk about with you that I wouldn't talk about with other people. Uh, But I would say that most of the experiences can be shared. And then, of course, a lot of it is in the context of how we know each other. One of the things that I think has been an interesting development of late, and I say of late, going back a couple of months, but relatively small in the period that I've known you, is us getting together to play D&D on Saturdays, where I brought some of my childhood friends into the fold. I've known you for a long time. You were there at the beginning of my professional life, and we've been friends ever since, well beyond our days in the Army. But the friends that you have met more recently, Nate and Rich, these are people I've known for more than 40 years. These are people that I knew younger than when my son is his current age now. My son Jerome is 14. Uh, And so we have a bunch of shared memories far more embarrassments uh, than I would with other more recent friends. Uh, Concurrent with that, there are things that I would say to them that other people would say, wait, is that the same person? Just because being with friends that you've been friends with for so long might evoke memories of stupid, silly stuff that you did as a kid that was a lot of fun and certainly far less responsible than we we would be as adults uh, in a time where we might have been short on wisdom and experience and more open to saying things that are just simply not appropriate to say today. Do you remember who you are? And here's the context for this. We wear so many different masks, as I said, and there's so many different versions of us. You know, do you remember the original Jeremy Nathan? Who is that person who has had to you know, learn how to adapt himself to the people around him, who's had to be a different Jeremy around his parents and a different one around his kids and a different one around, you know, whoever. So, you know, when you come and you start thinking, well, who is Jeremy Nathan? Because there's so many versions of you, so many versions of ourselves that we have, do you remember who the original Jeremy is? Who is that person? It's an interesting question because part of me wonders what I'm seeking in my middle age. In fact, something that I might be seeking on this visit to Britain might be related to who I once was. 
the younger me was far more idealistic and hopeful and thoughtful in terms of being able to change the world, not change the whole world, but change my world. If I wanted something, if I wanted to go for something, I know that I could eventually succeed through hard work. Now, some of that still exists today, but my youthful idealism has been checkered by life experience and a lot of it. A lot of the things that I've done have made me almost, I don't want to say pessimistic, it's just made me more realistic in the things that I could hope to achieve. And there's part of the middle-aged me that misses the idealistic me in my youth. And some of that idealism was born from emotion. I used to say that if I had a superpower as a younger person, it was to transform my emotion into results. I was able to go out and do something, and I missed that. And some of that was born through music, and that's part of why, perhaps the biggest reason why I want to go on this journey to try and tap into musical roots, where music is an emotional engine that powers you to do things because I don't necessarily get that today. Okay. So do you have a sense of who the old Jeremy is or the Jeremy you used to be versus the Jeremy you are now? What's the difference between those two Jeremy's? Here's the thing that you have to remember as much as I would like to say, I can find, I hope to find this idealism again. Here's the realistic part. When you're young, your whole life is ahead of you. And you've got time to figure out who you are to make mistakes, or in the words of Led Zeppelin, there is still time to change the road you're on. Here I am now, I'm a middle-aged guy. I still have many years left in the future, I hope, decades even. Uh, but in terms of what I do professionally and how, whether it's making my livelihood or just marking my stamp on the world. And when I say the world, I once again mean my world. That time is more limited. I have to be careful with the choices I make, the risks I take. And that's the difference, is that your ability to be a risk taker when you're older is harder. Is it harder though? So here's, I think, the fallacy of humans and, and I know it's a survival mechanism, is that, you know, we make the assumption that we're going to live forever or live a long time. The reality is, you know, you know, we could die today. So, you know, taking the risk now or tomorrow is an assumption that there is a tomorrow. And that's just natural. It's a natural thing that we do, I think, is a part of, um, you know, you, you know, we can't live our lives thinking I'm going to die any second now. You just can't function that way. So naturally, you just have to make this assumption that I'm going to be around tomorrow, but tomorrow is not promised to us. So, you know, do you do the things that you want to do now? Because now is all that you have and you don't, you know, you don't have a past. The past is finished. It's gone. You don't have the future, you know, because that's not here. And I know this is kind of a very 
Eastern way of, of looking at things perhaps, but, you know, you know, life is now, isn't it? You know, the now is all that you actually have. The answer is yes and no. It's yes in that you can do things, seize moments to do things that you would like to do. And I don't call them a bucket list because I don't have a list of things I hope to do before I die. I don't really subscribe to that. It's just kind of the search to do things that you think will be fulfilling. And this is one of them, this musical journey that I see myself on with this particular visit. That's something that's doable. And the timing for me to do it was perfect. A mix of financially stable. Uh, I find myself with time on my hands now that I didn't have before due to unfortunate circumstances at work. Um, my kids are old enough to where if I disappear for two weeks, it's not going to cause them to spiral into something bad. Uh, and certainly they can take care of themselves and my wife works from home, so I can do this now. But in terms of bigger leaps, bigger life-changing decisions, that's harder. And I'll tell you why it's harder. For those of you who are sitting here listening like, you lack courage. You sh can do this. You should do this. Well, you're damn right. But here's the problem. If it was just about me, yeah. But I have a family. I have a wife. I have two teenagers at home. That kind of comes down to your values because not everybody holds those same values as you do. So I worked for um, a guy whose values weren't that. So he was okay with, you know, burning through wives. That was, you know, he said, um, you know, he had the life that he wanted to live and he had his own objectives that he was going. He was happy, you know, if the person is on f along for the ride with him. But as soon as they you know, longer, no longer supported what he wanted to do or were getting in the way. He was happy with burning that relationship, but his values happen to lie in that space that it's, you know, that life is about uh, him. So, you know, you sound like you have, you know, very strong family values and you put others' needs before your own because that's the thing that, you know, that you are. Those are the things that you have adapted as your values. But again, if I don't hold those values, that same aspect doesn't apply to me in terms of that I put others before me, for instance. So you're right. I think you know everyone has to understand where their values are, and then they're going to have to live in accordance with those values and whatever they might be. Now, some might say that it's your duty to yourself to live your life, and other people have to support you in that. And you know, if, if someone is preventing you from being who it is that you are living the life that you want to live, and again, under the assumption that there is only one life, this is it, this is all you get. And so you have that right to live life in accordance to how you want to live. And if someone is um, interfering with that or hindering you or holding you back from that, you know, do you jettison that relationship? You know, do you stay with it? You know, I don't want to turn this this into that podcast, but that's a question that would, you know, you would have to address that you would have to come to terms with. I just want to emphasize that people have a different sets of values and depending on your values, you know, you're going to make different decisions. 
it may be a separate it may be a separate podcast clay but i also think it's very relevant how much change or how much does a person have to dislike their life to where they will start prioritizing some things over other where family ends up coming second and that's just it i don't think it's a question that they dislike their life or that they're unhappy i think that some people hold the value that you know it's a you know about self and it's about your own happiness and anyone that's holding you back from that happiness then it's time for you to you know come out of that relationship okay so on to the music and what is it about music that you value and what is it that music gives to you what does it add to your life specifically music is if you're asking me music just brings joy it sparks emotion it allows me to function whether it's more efficiently or creativity when it's going on is part of the other things that i'm doing i use I like to listen to music when I work, like to listen to music when I work out. I like to listen to music when I drive. I listen to music when I'm alone. I listen to music with friends. Mm. It just, it really enhances everything that you do because of what it can evoke in a person. Evoke. By that you mean the emotions that it evokes. Uh, Yeah, if you want to call them emotions. What would you call them? Well, would you say drive or motivation is an emotion or a characteristic? I would say a behavior driven by emotion. Yeah. They say that we couldn't live without music, that humans couldn't live without music. And music, if you think about the heartbeat, the heartbeat is a drum, it's music. And that music is so important to our lives that we couldn't live without it. We would cease to function without it. But people do. There are people who are deaf that never get to know the joy of music. I'd say they feel the heartbeat. And also that music isn't just experienced through the ears. We can feel it in our body. It's really hard for me to characterize it as a necessity as much as I would like to. I mean, you die without air you die without water you die without food and there are other things that will kill you if you don't have them every so often i mean you can last for well maybe a few minutes without air maybe a few days without water maybe a few weeks but it affects your mental health and then your mental health deteriorates and everything else deteriorates from let's just say that my life would be much less so without the gift that music provides. So in that sense, me would, I would be a much different person if I did not have music to enhance the things that I do in my life. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, the two things are, my besides you know, my the, the family the family of course comes first but besides that the two things that matter most to me are 
my music and my books. And sometimes I have to ask myself the question, you know, which is a hard one for me. Would I go with my music, go without my music, or go without my books? I can remember when I was a, um, a lieutenant and, you know, we had those two trunks that we had at West Point. And whenever I changed duty stations, I always filled the trunks up with one trunk up with music and the other one uh, with my books. So my music had to travel with me, the stereo, all that. So the first thing I do when I get to a new place is set up the music. And then I have my books. The most important books were there. I couldn't bring them all with me, but I had the important ones with me. So books and music, music and books. I feel like with music, I need it to breathe. I need it to, to live. It's like, you know, a huge factor and to my life. Yeah, I think the breathing comparison is good because we, most of the time we breathe without thinking about it. We just do because we have to breathe to function. And so it happens. But if I get in my car and I notice that I had turned off the music for some reason, I just instinctively, without even thinking about it, poof, goes on. Uh, and that's, you know, when I get to my desk in my home office, it's the same thing. I'll turn it on without even thinking about what I need to do. It's just, I start up the computer and then I turn on the music. Can you think of a time in your life where music maybe brought you back from a bad place? Like you were thinking, oh, life sucks. And you hear a song and then that song just brings you back from the edge. I don't know if I can say that music saved me. What I can say is we talked about having a life soundtrack. I talked about my collection of music that I call of times and places where you hear a song and it instantly evokes a time and a place and obviously a memory along with it. Um, and so I've got this running soundtrack of my life going back to 1981, uh, more than 200 songs on it. And if the song comes up, I instantly think of that. So there are parts of times and places where I was in a dark place and there would be a song that kind of reflects the mood of that. But there are also songs that follow it that are uplifting, that shows I came back. Because everyone has their periods where they're down, they're sad, and they're depressed. It's hard to say if music saved me, but certainly as part of the story that shows that I came back, it's really evident in the music. So music helps you to tell the story, the music helps sort of shape the emotion of the scene and then maybe helps you to transition, you know, from one motion to another. So to go from sad to being happy or, you know, to be mellow or wherever it is that you need to be, music can help you get to that space. And I'm the kind of guy who, you know, and we were talking previously about uh, the music trivia, so I'm not a big music trivia person, so, you know, I listen out for the the emotion that the song evokes, and then I have this huge catalog 
of songs and the emotions that are associated with them. And like a good DJ, if I need to put together a playlist that'll speak to a particular mood or that would uh, enhance um, you know, a story or, or something, I, I have that pool to draw upon. I draw upon that pool of emotions that various different songs evoke and if you string them together can tell a story and take a person from the beginning, middle and end of a journey. So I want to kind of get you to do that now. And I know you haven't had a chance to think this through. So I know it's always hard to whittle down to, you know, a handful of songs, but I'm going to challenge you here to, to, um, pick a few songs that will highlight different areas or time periods in your life. You know, it's interesting because I can think of many, I mean, there's lots of things I can select from because what I would do is I would pick different periods of my life. And then it's, and, and then it's just a question of taking a song from, of times and places that I think most personifies let me let me help you out here let's let's go with you a song that would highlight your preteen years from preteen oh um i'm going to have to go with the very first song of of times and places because that reminds me of a memory. Uh, the very first song on Of Times of Places is um, the theme song to For Your Eyes Only, the, the James Bond movie. Um, because it reminds me of when I started going to this camp called Camp Jack Pine, which was in northern Wisconsin. So I went, what was the song? It was For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only. That's yeah. Right. Is that Eastern? Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct, and it evokes you know that's when I you know shortly after I discovered James Bond and that was the first James Bond movie that came out that you know was new in the theaters that I got to see, and it is you know in the meaning of the song itself has nothing to do with the memory it evokes in me, but it evokes a very early period in my life in that preteen part when I started to see the world in more open terms, uh, where I was still able to have fun and enjoy being a kid, but things were starting to become more real as you start maturing into a teenager and all the teenage angst that goes with it. There are other songs from, uh, of times and places that remind me of Camp Jack Pine, such as, um, uh, She's got Betty Davis eyes. Um, and the last song from Camp Jack Pine is another song from the James Bond themes, which is All Time High, which was the theme to Octopussy. And when I left Camp Jack Pine in the summer of 84, getting ready to start high school, I was really upbeat and positive in how good things were going to be because I had such a fantastic experience at Camp Jack Pine. And then, we find out a couple months later that Camp Jack Pine was cl closing down. The owner of Camp Jack Pine for 30 years said, you know, I've had enough of this, I'm, I'm gonna retire. Uh, and no camp was 
never went to another camp again after that. So it was kind of a transition period. Well, let's grab one now from your teen years. Probably summer of 1987, things were not going well. Didn't look like anything was going to work out. I was going to go to a third-rate college. Uh, I was having issues with friends. And I wanted to enlist in the Army because I thought enlisting in the Army might provide another path to go to West Point because at that point in time I thought the Army was going to be where I was going to go. Uh, and I was disqualified because of my allergies. And so I was just in a, I was in a bad place. And prior to that, uh, you know, I had my first concert that I ever saw, which was Billy Idol. And he was on his Whiplash Smile tour. And one of his songs that he only seemed to play on that tour, which was my favorite Billy Idol song of all time, was Don't Need a Gun. And that translates into many different things from the individual self. It's a way of saying, you don't need to do this to yourself. I think Billy might have had larger societal implications with what he meant with the song, or maybe not. But that was bad. And then a couple weeks later, I find out that I, my waiver had been approved and that I was going to be allowed to enlist in the Army. And I went to basic training in July of 1987. And the only what downside... Was the song? What's that? What was the song again? So the song by Billy Idol was Don't Need a Gun. And then when I got into the Army... Um, very little notice. I was going to miss. Yeah, that's the joke of it. That's the irony. Um, I was going to miss the first couple of weeks of high school um, in order to do it. And I had to get special permission from uh, my dean in order to miss it. And there was a song from Whitesnake that came out at the time called Here I Go Again. And so that song evokes the memory of, you know, going through a tumultuous period, but I emerged and I made it and I kept on going. Excellent. So now let's bring you up to our three, five Cav days. What song would you choose to represent that period of time in our lives? I will say that I had a string of short-lived, unsuccessful relationships with women. Wait, now, now, you say that, and that brings up the running joke for us in that no one ever saw you with a woman. It was one of these things where we would go out together, and you know, then when we broke up and everyone went home, the next day, you would always come back with these stories. Oh, just after you guys left, I met this girl, but we actually never saw you with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you can joke about it. It's true, but they never went further. Um, but they were real. And maybe it's something I said in the hope that they would turn into something more and never did. Uh, but they were very real, my friend. And it took a toll on me that you would just not see, perhaps because I was in denial. And there was a song that came out. Uh, it probably came out a year before that. Um, Pink Floyd, or at least what I would call the new Pink Floyd, because I think Pink Floyd was never the same after the Roger Waters split from the band. 
But from the album, The Division Bell, take it back. Um, and it's all about love and rejection and basically being able to move beyond that and get over it and yourself ultimately uh, and just keep moving forward. So I would say that one was kind of, you know, you brought up that memory. It, it's a good memory that you brought up and I can laugh at it now because I'm, I'm in a happy marriage and life is good. But, you know, everyone, I should say most people will go through a period where they have rejection. Uh, but it's okay to be rejected. It's a part of life. And, you know, one of the things that happens when you're young is you can make mistakes and figure out better ways of not getting rejected. It's kind of a carefree time to be alive. And that kind of personifies that whole period, those carefree days, being a second lieutenant in the army after years of training to get there. Uh, it, it was very much a wonderful time in my life, notwithstanding all of the rejection and the pain that goes with it, you know, it hits your confidence and without your confidence, you're nothing. Um, you move past that because of the people you're with. And so the memory that you just brought up, brought up ties into what I just mentioned um, in the whole spirit of the good old days of being a second lieutenant. Good old days of being a second lieutenant. Kind of miss those days. Yeah. All right, one last question along these lines. So what song would you say characterizes our friendship? The song that I would pick for you, and this just came into my head, is Stuck in the Middle with You. I think I mentioned the other day something that I used to do when I was younger. When me and friends would go to bars, I would always go to the jukebox, and I would, you know, buy a bunch of songs, you know, for like five bucks or whatever it was. And I would dedicate each song to one of my friends. And it would be a song based on the personality of that friend. Um, we have done this before. And I am certain that I have picked a song for you. But when I sit here in this quiet, serene place, with nothing but the digital catalog in my mind. I don't have a particular song because there are so many things that I could probably use to describe our friendship of 30 years. I'll tell you a song which I could apply to you, even though it's on of times of places, but it reflects a period after you had left the unit that we were in. It was the, um, Second time I deployed to Bosnia, I was a captain then, and there were five of us captains that shared a GP medium. And one of my friends, still a good friend to this day, Mike Stelzig, alarm would go off at 6 a.m. And the first thing he would do is he had a boombox in the tent and he would put on Third Eye Blind's Semi-Charmed Life. And that would be the first music all of us would wake up to for better or for worse. And it reminds me of the camaraderie that I had with my fellow army officers uh you know here we go again we're doing this routine again and I, i'll always think of that time but it's certainly one that i can apply to you or anyone that i served in the army with in terms of you know you're repeating the same day but it's not the same day every day in the army is different okay my friend so as we begin to wind this podcast down i just want to 
follow up with a question I asked you at the beginning of your time over here in the UK in terms of wanting to go on this musical journey and what was it that you were seeking? What were you hoping to find? And I'm just wondering now, have you had any more clarity on it? I know we have a few more days to go yet, but have you had any more clarity on what it is that you are seeking? Yeah, uh, I think I can better articulate that because kind of what struck me was a conversation we had last night when we were talking about what does music do for you? And you mentioned how I knew a lot of the members of the bands and their names and, you know, who was in the band and when. And it's not that I like, I mean, I do like getting a, an additional perspective on the music, you know, find out the background as to what inspired them to write that song. And some we may never know. I mentioned uh, Black Country Woman uh, by Led Zeppelin. Robert Plant talks about having a beer thrown in his face. I would love to know the story behind it, but I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I like that. It adds another dimension. But I think if it's just knowing it for the sake of knowing it, you're missing the point. The reason I care about who is in the band and when is because if a band can replace someone who's a part of the band with another person, that I don't necessarily think they're a true band, apart from the original band that created what they were. If one of the people goes, they're an integral part of the band and they cannot be replaced. And that's what I think Led Zeppelin was. When John Bottom died tragically at 32 years of age, they mourned, and then they made the decision that they were not able to continue as they were. And when you look at the history of rock bands and, you know, sometimes there's a, just a bad breakup like the Beatles is, you know, the classic example um, in the band and they were no longer the Beatles. They didn't try to replace John Lennon. They broke off and they had their individual careers as the members of Led Zeppelin did after John Bonham died. But, you know, there were times where they got back together and toured as Led Zeppelin, but it was never the same. The idea being the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And John Bonham, maybe individually we could talk about how great the individual musicians were. Indeed, they went on to have solo careers, but they were nothing compared to what they were together as Led Zeppelin. And what they were able to do as a band is timeless and perfect. What they achieved was harmony. And if you ask me what I'm looking for, I'm looking for a rebalance of what my priorities are in life, given what just happened to me with work, and how I balance it all. And I want to achieve harmony. That's the word. And I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> 